Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of the Brandon Muth slash Muthonomics podcast is brought to you by insert product of your choice. Um, the product of my choice is the trading desk at brandonmuth.com, where I have been simply journaling, vlogging, uh, putting together videos on live trading examples, going over uh, different things um, that I use to identify entry and exit points, um, which has served me well in my uh, year and a half, almost two years worth of pretty much full-time uh, short-term day and swing trading. Um, although tell that to my long-term body stock, which I'm si currently sitting on, minus 35.68% as of today. Um, but I am being stubborn with that one. I do believe that the market will eventually come around and see the value in that particular stock. Um, but we'll see, time will tell as they say. I uh, hope everybody had a good week. Um, this is a little bit late, a couple days late. This is on a Monday uh, instead of on a Saturday. So that's gonna throw off the dates in the Apple iTunes uh, list, which I, you know, most people probably don't look at it unless you're OCD like me and you're like, oh, the date is not every seven. Something happened. Yes, something did happen. Um, I decided to build a custom closet solution for my lovely bride, uh, which I started probably three weeks ago. And then the full court press came together over the last week and I was working on it early morning, late into the evening, and then when the weekend rolled around, I was like, you know what, it's time to knock this bad boy out. Um, the whole thing started when I decided to, um, I wanted to make one of the walls in the closet be wall-to-wall uh, -wall dressers. So I measured it out and it was 126 inches, which is about 10 feet, four inches. Um, no, that doesn't make sense. 126 would be 10 feet, six inches. Uh, you're right. Um, but accounting for the baseboards and some of the sheetrock stuff, um, it was, if you got up above the baseboards, it was 126 on the dot. And so I went online and I found some dressers that I liked side by side that you could build. And they measured 63 inches wide according to their uh, measurements. And I was like, okay, that's cutting it close. So I went back with my tape measure and I measured the front side of the dressers and the back side of the dressers and they all pointed to um, it being 126. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna roll with this. I can make this happen. Um, and I was hoping, I was hoping that the dressers were actually like a 16th under 63. Uh, maybe an eighth under 63, or that the tops, it appeared that the tops had like a lip. And so if they had a lip over the left and right edges of the main side supports, I was like, I'll just run that through the table saw and trim off a little bit. You know, I cut off a 16th on each side up against the, the sheetrock, you wouldn't even notice. So dressers show up, unload them, walk them up three flights of stairs, unbox them into the closet. And before I do anything, I built up a frame uh, out of two by sixes to get lifted up off the carpet in the closet and to get right above the baseboard so that these dressers are sitting, you know, above the baseboard that give it that elevated kind of cabinet feel, um, which allows me to put, you know, LED lighting underneath to kind of have a glow um, in the middle of the night so you don't stub your toe on, on a 25 pound dumbbell or something. Um, and it just looks cool, let's be honest. An elevated cabinet just has a sophisticated look. Um, and when you go to open that bottom drawer, it doesn't drag on the carpet, um, which is um, annoying. Uh, random side note, I've never had a dresser. <laughs> this, this is the first official dresser I've ever had. Um, so I'm kind of moving up in the world, um, which is, is piggybacks on the fact that I got my first toaster ever in my life. Uh, about two years ago, that was that was a big purchase. Um, that kind of took some PTSD um, to go out and actually buy a toaster um, because it felt like an extravagant purchase. But we've been enjoying that thing, and now it's actually kind of. I went out and I bought I bought the cheapest toaster I could find, like the fourteen ninety eight special at Walmart. And while it toasts reliably well, the crumb collector is completely worthless. So every time you use it, the crumbs just fall through onto the countertop. 
Um, so we're having to vacuum out the cabinet that we store the toaster in like multiple times a week because it just sheds crumbs everywhere. So uh, now I've been looking to upgrade a toaster. Um, oh man, what is your problem? <laughs> Never had a toaster. <laughs> so first dresser I've ever had. Um, and I like to, you know, I'd like to keep it up off the carpet so the, the bottom um, drawer doesn't drag into the shag. I just said that because it rhymed. Um, so anyway, I unbox the top and I put the, the, I line them up side by side, the top and the bottom of one particular unit. And they're an eighth inch too wide in aggregate. So I pull out the tape, the trusty old tape measure and I go to measure it. And they're not exactly 63 inches. They're 63 and just under an eighth. So like halfway between a 16th. Um, and two eighths, two sixteenths. So there's somewhere a little bit over 63. So I'm still thinking, okay, I'm holding out hope. I can build the dresser and then I can see how much lip there is. Um, and then I can figure out, okay, you know, I can trim down the side that's going up against the left sheetrock. And then on the second unit, I can trim down the right. So I, you know, spend this time building the dressers and I go step back and take a look and there's zero lip. So I was like, shoot, this is not gonna work. Um, and the, the overlap was big enough where I couldn't, like, if I thought, oh, maybe I can just sand back the sheetrock, but it, it was big enough that it wouldn't work because the drawers wouldn't open. I'd have to sand, or I'd, somehow I'd have to, you know, sand back into the sheetrock for the entire, not only the entire height of each dresser, but also to account for how far the drawers came out. And it just was not going to work. So on the fly, I had to adjust the plan. So when it, what I ended up doing was putting one of the 63 inch wide dressers to the left up against the wall. And then I came up with a cabinet design um, for the right side, which just so happened to be just under 63. So I built it at 62 and a half wide. Um, anyway, turned out being a good, good project. Um, I had built some downstairs bookcases last year in our basement that have the same kind of floating look with the glowing light underneath. And uh, at the time I invested in some um, needed tools, some clamps, a nail gun, um, a rel fairly expensive, a Harbor Freight. Harbor Freight's the best for tools. I mean, you know, if, if you're doing like world-class, uh, you know, solid wood oak cabinetry, maybe you don't go to Harbor Freight. But when you're a weekend warrior like I am, and you're just looking to cut some straight, you know, shelves, uh, Harbor Freight's got some good options. So I got their standing table saw, um, or not standing table saw, standing chop saw, which rolls around on some wheels. Um, and it has arm supports out to the left and right that you can balance wood on and, you know, do 12 inch cuts and whatnot. So turned out well, uh, I broke the cabinet into three parts, built the bottom, um, and then built the bottom and the top in the garage. And then the main chunk, which was 62 inches, 62 and a half inches wide and 81 and a half inches tall. I actually built that in our bathroom, which is adjacent to the walk-in closet. And boy, I am super excited that I did that because there was no way that thing was coming up the stairs. I mean, we could barely, I mean, it barely fit um, through the bathroom door and into the closet and it took me and my one of my my 17 year old son and one of his friends and we had to come up with a multi lift system so we lifted it up onto something a little bit off the ground and then lifted that again onto something a little bit higher off the ground and then we're able to tilt it to get the the base of it on top of the lower shelf that i built and anyway it was challenging so i'm glad i built that in in the uh, actual uh, El Baño, as some might say. So that took up a lot of the weekend. And then I got the harebrained idea to um, brighten up my basement office with my four foot by eight foot desk <laughs> um, by installing some track lighting. So went out and I got uh, two 44 inch track lights and that took a lot longer than I had anticipated, primarily because whoever put the original can in for the, the, the one main light that was in the center of the room, 
the way that they oriented the support for that, it was 90 degrees off from the from the way I wanted the tracks to run. And so I had to go down to Home Depot and I, I hunted around for a while by myself and then threw in the towel and I was like, I can't find what I'm looking for. So I went over to some guy and I was like, yeah, I need some like 360 degree, like universal flexible can thing so that I can make sure that the, I can rotate the track 90 degrees to get it running in the right direction. And dude was like, oh yeah, I know exactly what you need. He hopped down off his ladder. He walked over two aisles around a corner, pop right there. Um, and it's just, it's just this, uh, it's a certain piece of circle, circular metal with different holes and tracks in it that you can rotate. Um, it has a lot more flexibility than just the two screw holes in, in what was already in the ceiling. So got that in um, and then actually followed all of the directions on the track lights. Uh, which is something that I do more and more as I get older. It's like, you know what, I'll, re I'll, I'll take the extra five minutes and read through the instructions to make sure that I install this properly. So did the sheetrock anchors uh, to make sure that they hold up. And yeah, everything went according to plan, except for the cover, the cover that goes over the like electrical wires and stuff coming out of the hole. The way that I um, positioned the lights left to right this is the most boring podcast ever. We're never listening to this ever again. All you do is ramble about random crap. Uh, I wanted it centered left to right. And in order to do that, I had to start the first track pretty close to the center of the hole coming out of the sheetrock in the ceiling. And by doing that, and I didn't know this until four hours later when I was done with the entire project and was getting ready to put the cover cap on, by doing that, um, it's aligned in such a way that the cover cap won't fit. Um, and it's hard to explain, but it doesn't fit. It's off by, uh, it just, there's no room for it to clip in. Um, so what I have to do, I think what I, I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to go back to Home Depot or Lowe's and uh, I'm going to have to look for some sort of cap that is just bigger. And then I can figure out a way to secure that um, into, into the ceiling. So... Anyway, hopefully I don't electrocute myself. I made sure that I turned off the breaker. Turn it off, turn it off. What I wanna talk about. I want to talk about, lo and behold, more stock market things. I wanna talk about this concept that kinda of was really rubbing me the wrong way last week. Um, and it's one of the reasons that I just kinda of took a few days off and didn't podcast was because it really was bothering me. And I'm, I'm calling this podcast losing money in order to keep your integrity. What? what are you talking about? You're a capitalist. You don't believe in losing money. Well, 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 there was a particular stock that I had been eyeballing um, that was in the creative space. They have a platform called Vocal and they have over a million creators on this platform. It's kind of like a medium type of thing where, you know, it's like a, it's like a poor man. It's like a Walmart version of medium. I think is the, what the kids are saying nowadays. They're like, oh yeah, that's Walmart brand, whatever. Those are Walmart brand Nikes. Uh, that's a Walmart movie. Um, it's sort of like, you know, the off-brand kind of cheapskate version. So Vocal is sort of like that. I mean, Medium is a little bit more polished. It's got a little bit better user interface. I think it has more viewers, et cetera, et cetera. So they've got this platform called Vocal, but they do have a million people on it. And they announced back in April that they were, were April. I sound like Peter from the Brady Bunch. <clears throat> um, they announced back in April of 2021 that they were developing, that they were going to develop an NFT platform for this vocal uh, community. And I thought, okay, I'm going to keep my eye on this thing because that potentially with the NFT craze, non-fungible tokens, which I think in a lot of ways are like the dot-com boom back in the late 90s. Um, I think it's probably going to get really, well, it already is really frothy. I mean, people are spending multiple millions of dollars to have the rights to a digital image, which just kind of silly. My kids were even like, I could just take a screenshot of that and I'd have it. And I was like, yeah, but you don't have the blockchain showing that you officially own it. And they're like, whatever, that sounds stupid. And on some level, I kind of agree with them. But that doesn't, I mean, the all intelligent market is pricing NFTs at some absurd valuations. 
So while the craze is there and while um, you know there's interest in that, it makes sense that you would wanna try to follow those market trends. So anyway, I put it on my watch list, drew some lines on the chart and I said, okay, you know, a good entry point, um, a good initial entry point is between $2.80 and $3.20. That's on the chart where I would look to add this thing. It had spiked as high as 10, moved around six, seven. Um, and it's very volatile, low float. I think they only had like 9 million shares in the public float at the time. And so I, I made a note to hey, you know, it, when it starts to get to, I, I didn't make a note. I set up a notification on my iPhone and said, notify me when this drops below 320. And one day in September, ding, popped below 320, started adding. Over the course of a week, I added 6,000 shares. So as average in right around three bucks. So, so I committed 18 grand to this thing. And 6,000 shares, my plan based upon the chart was to sell 2,000 shares at seven, 2,000 shares at nine, and then hold 1,000 for a potential you know, mania run to 20 and another mania run to 50. And you go, what are you talking about? You're smoking crack cocaine. Well, if you look at other uh, moves in the NFT space, that actually happened. There's a ticker called TCAT, ran from $2.74 all the way up to $74. Um, if you look at SPRT, it was a Bitcoin play, ran from two bucks to like 55. Um, so there's, on these lower float plays, there can be some absolute mania that doesn't make any sense. And so what made sense on the chart was sale prices between seven and 10, and then you're holding for the, you know, hey, 2000 shares that don't make any sense at all. Um, so that was the plan. And so, uh, I manage a couple different accounts. So in all three accounts, I added 6,000 shares across the board. So I guess I was, I, I was holding 18,000 shares. And at three bucks, and I was looking to sell at 2007 and 2009, so rough, so eight. So I was looking to move 8,000, uh, I was mo looking to move 4,000 shares at $8, which is a $5 profit for my average. You do the math, eight times four, I'll let you crunch that real quick, 32,000. So I was looking at making 32,000 in profit off of an initial purchase of $18,000. Set my sell orders as I normally do. And then I just don't kind of, I don't really look at the daily price fluctuations because I mean, one, Warren Buffett says not to. <laughs> and two, Warren Buffett says not to. I mean, you know, everybody loves to quote the, the uh, what is he, the, the Oracle of Omaha, but then they don't even follow his advice. Um, he said that stock should be quoted once a year because it takes all the emotion and all the psychological drama out of it. So I set the sell orders and I just go about my day. And then what I do is throughout the week, I just pay attention to the news items. So I'm, I have set up to get notified when they have a press release. So no less than a week after I commit to this position, I've calculated my entry points. I've calculated my exit points, and it, and it was my it was my fourth quarter trade. So this was going to be my fourth one of my big fourth quarter trades. I added two other fourth quarter entries, which I'm not looking to exit in the fourth quarter. I'm looking to hold them longer term. But this this one was my main fourth quarter trade. Um, so not less than a week later, I get a notification on my phone. CRTD announces its first NFT sale, and I was like, sweet. They're executing on what they said they were gonna do. So I click the link. Let's read about their latest NFT sale. What creators are they gonna be highlighting um, in the lead up to this you know, official platform? So I click the link and I read the, the press release and it's, hey, NFT uh, Created Inc. is putting out its first official NFT release, highlighting the artwork of Bob Guccione or Guccione or something. I don't even know how you pronounce his name. And I was like, uh, who the heck's that? So open up the trusty duck duck goose, um, which doesn't work half the time. So I went over to Google and I searched Bob Guccione or Guccione, I'm gonna pronounce his name. And lo and behold, he's a quote unquote artist who was the founder of various media outlets and magazines, one of which was Penthouse, the pornography magazine. And I ran into an instant conundrum, which is, I don't want to profit off of that type of content. So I had a choice in front of me. Do I trust? Do I just forget the content that's potentially going to drive the price of this particular security? 
Or do I make a decision based upon new information, which coincides with my values, um, which would ultimately either support or degrade my integrity? <laughs> so it was a pretty quick decision. I looked, I went and clicked and looked at the preview, and they weren't they weren't full nudes. I mean, it was like you know, but it was very erotic and very whatever. And then I went and I read about this collection. The, the the CEO had bought a private collection at auction all the way back in 2016, um, which I was not aware of. And he had bought the private collection, paid like 5.6 million bucks for it or something of this Bob Guccione character, which included thousands of slides of all of his photography over the years. Um, so I made the decision less than a week later to exit the position. And by this time it had bled out you know, it was it was down into the 280s when I exited. So 20 cents times 6,000 shares. Um, you know, I, I took a $1,200 loss on this thing and closed it out and decided, okay, you know, I don't want to make money on that type of content. Um, I don't want to profit off of vices. Um, even though I think, in my opinion, the best professor I had in college back in the day, he was he was an entrepreneur. And his advice that stuck with me, but which I've not abided by, was that if you wanted to give yourself the best chance of profit in the marketplace, you should focus on the vice industries, um, namely alcohol, gambling, and tobacco. And he probably would throw in there now um, pornography. So I made that decision, sold them. And at the time, it was like, okay, I felt good. I was like, this is great. You know, I'm, I am abiding by my value set. Which again, if I think that's a good way to define integrity is, you know, your integrity will either grow or degrade based upon whether or not the decisions you make are in line with your value set. So if your value set is X and you make decisions that support X, your integrity is going to remain, you know, stable and, and you know, moving in the right direction. If, you're, if your values are X and your decisions are Y and they're contradictory, your integrity is going to start to degrade. So on the front end, end of November, I'm like, okay, I'll take a $1,200 hit. It aligns with my values. I feel good about this. Lo and behold, we get into Friday, October 22nd. We're, you know, four weeks after the fact. And I see CRTD is, is trending. And I'm like, oh, geez, it did exactly what I thought it was going to do on the chart. So the curiosity got the better of me and I went and I looked and I logged into my Thinkorswim app and I pulled up CRTD and sure enough, it spiked all the way to $9.88 on, on Mania. So it, it, was, it, was a, it was the subset of DWAC. I don't know if you, if you weren't following the stock market last week, DWAC went absolutely bananas and you're going, well, what's DWAC? DWAC was a special acquisition corporation, a SPAC that Donald Trump chose to go public with his Truth Social network company. So Trump announces Truth Social and he says, okay, we're going to merge and go public through the SPAC, DWAC. So DWAC ran from $10 to $175 bucks in, in less than a day. It took two days of trading, but in less than 24 hours, it ran from $10 bucks to $175. Um, just absolutely bananas. And then what started to happen was anything associated with Trump, even the slightest association with Trump started going crazy. Well, somebody dug up a blog post from the CEO of Created who had published back in 20, it was during the election. It was like during 20, it was, it was right, either right before or right after the 2016 election. Someone had dug up a blog post where he had talked at length about the fact that in this Bob Gucci on collection, he had discovered pictures, candids, that Guccione had snapped of Donald Trump in the mid-80s in compromising situations with uh, ladies of the night, professional entertainers. I, I don't know how you'd... Strippers, I guess. Um, and so he, at the time, had said, hey, I've got this collection of pictures that show Trump in compromising situations with these different women. Um so DWAC's running crazy, 10 to 175 bucks. Anything associated with Trump is going bananas. I'm not, I'm not kidding. There's, there's a stock called Fun, P-H-U-N. It was trading at 88 cents on, on Tuesday, Thursday the 21st. It was trading at 88 cents. And it's, it's been historically, a, you know, a, a 
60 to 250, 60 cents to $2.50 stock. Someone found an article from beginning of 2020 where it said that Fun, P-H-U-N, had done some work to improve the Pence Trump app for their reelection bid. Someone found that obscure article in some, you know, Dallas newspaper or something. And that piece of information took fun from 88 cents to $24 on Friday morning. I mean, you're talking absolute insanity. Anything with Trump on Thursday and Friday of last week was going bananas. So even personally, I was like, okay, I'm going to find a sympathy play. So I did some hunting early, early Friday morning, and I found CTIB, C-T-I-B, was Bloomberg had said that the CEO of DWAC was the CEO or on the board of directors of this company called CTIB. So early, as soon as the pre-market opened on Friday morning, I bought 1,000 shares of CTIB at $2.19. And by the time I had gotten back from dropping my daughter off at school, it had run all the way to 343, and my sell order of 319 had executed. I made 1,000 bucks in like 20 minutes. So anyway, all of that to say, someone found this article from the CEO of Created, CRTD, back in 2016, that he had pictures in his possession in the Guccione collection or Guccione collection that he had pictures of Trump in compromising situations in the mid 80s in Manhattan. He announces that. He doesn't even he doesn't even have to announce that. The internet starts spreading that article and CRTD ran from the low twos all the way to $9.88. So on the chart it did exactly what I had anticipated a low float um, you know fast moving NFT stock might do. And at that point in time, <laughs> if I'm being absolutely honest, I was questioning my integrity. I was like, really? Was my integrity really worth $32,000 of easy profit times three accounts? What was that, 66,000? Oh, maybe that was a sign, 66, the letter of the devil. Um, no, I got to be honest, on Friday morning, Friday rolled around and that thing ran to almost 10 bucks. And I was like, that would have ran right through my seven sell orders. It would have ran right through my nine sell orders. And all of that Trump mania very well may run it up, um, you know, higher, which was the other, the extra 2000 shares that I was, was holding for that purpose. So anyway, I got to admit Friday, Friday, the 22nd, I was, I was wrestling with that pretty significantly. Um, you could ask my wife. It was like, she was like, what's wrong? I was like, this stinking stock that I sold to have some integrity because I didn't want to go against my values did exactly what I thought it would do. And I'm kind of pissed off at myself. Um, so she calmed me down. She talked me off the ledge, was like, hey, you know, no, it's good. It's good to abide by your values. And I was like, yeah, but is that real capitalism? Like capitalism is just supply and demand. That's all capitalism is. Capitalism doesn't need values behind it. <laughs> and you can see where robber barons came from. <laughs> the railroad. The captains of industry back in the day exploiting, you know, uh, cheap slash slave labor. Oh, you're making light of that. Oh, you're a monster. Um, and that's probably, that probably illustrates my point that we can't just have unfettered supply and demand. Like there's gotta be some moral uh, guardrails on how we're going about churning a profit. So while my soul knew that, it was still really wrestling and still wasn't too happy about it because I was like, oh man, I could have you know, planned out that Christmas vacation with that 32 grand. I could have taken that 32 grand and, you know, bought more outlet warrants or more body warrants or, you know, I mean, all kinds of ideas running through my head. Um, so was, I was really wrestling with it. And 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 Friday, I was um, just really, really wrestling with it. So I went to the La Biblia um, early Saturday morning. I got up and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to see what the Bible has to say about this. And here and here's where, you know, normally I'm talking about, I'm not, I, I try to, I really try hard not to merge my theology podcast with my muthanomics podcast because I like, I, you know, I don't think they have to go hand in hand all the time. But there are some times on these fundamental issues where your theology or your, your spiritual beliefs or whatever you're going to call it really do have some 
practical import into the decisions that you make on a day-to-day basis. And the missed profit that I experienced on Thursday rubbed me the wrong way to where I was like, okay, I need to go back to the drawing board and really wrestle with this to make sure that I actually believe these values and that I'm committed to these values. So I spent Saturday morning reading through Proverbs and there was a lot of good encouragement. Oh man, you're a fundamentalist Christian, cancel culture, I don't want to hear this. You know what, if you don't like it, then who cares? You know, go buy and sell whatever you want. I don't care. It's important to me. So the verse that stood out in Proverbs 10, um, the, the translation that I'm reading is the New Living Translation, which I've never read prior to this year. And I like it. It's very casual. It's very straightforward. It's very pithy. You know, it's not a bunch of these and thous and ifs and eths and whatever. It's just like, yo, here's the dealie. <laughs> and so... Um, the translation in the NLT for Proverbs 10, it's, it talked about tainted wealth, tainted wealth being a curse. And that hit home. I was like, man, okay, that, that, that reinforces this decision to take a loss, to lose money in order to keep my integrity. Um, and you might be thinking, dude, you're way too sensitive. Like, who cares? It's, it's, a, it's a handful of scandalous pictures. Like, get on with it. Like, that's Hollywood. That's the movies. That's our culture. It's not a big deal. Well, to me, it is. To me, it is a big deal how I go about trying to make money. And I don't want to be making money based on decadence, based on sensuality, based on, you know, insert any sort of, you know, corresponding adjective um, that would go in that space. And in my opinion, even though, you know, clearly in America, we have decided that Penthouse and Larry Flint and Hugh Hefner and all those guys, that that all falls under the realm of free speech and First Amendment, it doesn't necessarily make it uh, morally consistent with what I find in the scripture. So... Anyway, that, that's kind of that's one of the reasons I didn't podcast on Saturday was because I was still wrestling with that, and and I was, I, I didn't part of me didn't believe it. Part of me was like, you know what, just throw those values to the side and make your thirty two thousand and just walk away, and depersonalize it all and treat it as just numbers and lines on a screen, and who cares what the underlying content of that particular asset is, and. I'm glad that I I'm glad that I didn't go along with that. And and as I pondered over the weekend and read and really spent time in Proverbs looking at wealth and tainted wealth and um you know not making money by exploiting people and different things. Um I'm back I'm back in the saddle. I'm back in my integrity saddle. Like I feel like that has been resolved, not only resolved but I, but strengthened as well. Um so, and then, you know, I woke up this morning, the, the stock bled out to like four bucks on Friday. And I woke up this morning, 4, 4.30 a.m., I think, they announced officially the press release that they were going to be selling these uh, scandalous Trump pictures from the 80s. And apparently he pulls out a Sharpie and, you know, signs the uh, some naked body parts on, on some stripper or some model or something at a party in Manhattan. And the asking price, the starting asking price for this six-month-long auction auction is, I think they're starting at just over a million. They're asking 240 Ethereum coins, which I think at this current valuation of Ethereum was a million bucks. So the starting bid is a million bucks to have the digital rights. And sure enough, their stock was up another 100% in pre-market this morning. So um, it didn't run as high as 20 to 50, like I thought it might on some NFT mania hysteria. Uh, but it was up another 100% this morning. And then lo and behold, they announced a public offering, which a lot of these low float companies do. If you're going to trade low floats, you have to be very, very uh, quick on the exit button because they'll use these spikes, these parabolic spikes in their stock price as justification to announce more shares being sold into the market, which is exactly what they did. Early this afternoon, 
um, they announced a public offering priced at the current prices and everybody starts dumping because it just means that they're diluting um, their shares. So all of that to say, um, I think the key takeaway, if you're going to look at it from a non-Christian perspective, um, if I was going to kind of like generalize this principle for all listeners, which I'm sure some of my Christian friends would tell me is, oh, that's not right. You have to bring it back to the gospel all the time. Um, would be that if we're talking about integrity, your integrity will either be strengthened or degraded based upon whether or not your actions mirror or support what your values are. And going through that process, what I learned the last three or four days, going through that process is not always easy. Um, especially when there's real money on the table. Um, so anyway, I, I think it was good that I went through that process uh, because it took sort of like the hoity-toity, like, oh, end of end of September, $1,200 loss. I'm going to stick with my morals and my values and everything's great. And then when you're actually a month later confronted with the fact that, crap, that trade went exactly like I was, like, was hoping it would and I would have made X, um, you know, that's, that's a different story. So, but the cool thing from it is that on my, my scans, when I'm looking to enter new positions. So after I exited that position at the end of, of November or end of September, um, on my, one of my scans that week is when I ran across Owlet, which is the company I think I've talked about that sells the, uh, baby sock monitors for oxygen levels and heart rates and different things. And the I told that story how the bot was selling uh, blocks of 100 warrants at, at 50 cents every every six seconds. And I picked up uh, 50,000. I've actually picked up another 15,000 um, because they dipped into the, the mid to high 40s. Um, so it, but so what I did was I took a lot of that uh, money from the CRTD adventure and put it into a company that was on the chart, met all my criteria on the chart. And as a bonus, you know, it's something that much more aligns with my values. Uh, you know, giving parents peace of mind, potentially saving babies' lives. Um, that aligns much more with my values than, you know, decadent, scandalous kind of, you know, gossipy TMZ tabloid rag nonsense driving securities prices. So anyway, there's that story. That's why that's why I was out on a Saturday closet plus uh, a moral wrestling match in my soul. <laughs> now, now, you know, the, 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 the romantic part of me wants to say, oh, the good Lord's going to bless that decision and he's going to make, you know, I might have made what? two, let's say, just say three to nine, three to eight, you know, what is that? 250%, something like that. Um, what is that? Two, six, yeah, it's 175%, we'll say. Um, oh, so instead of making 175% on that, the Lord's gonna, you know, oh, because you stood up for your values, you're gonna make a thousand percent on Owlet. <laughs> so I'm not buying that Kool-Aid either um, because there's no guarantees in the stock market. Um, as I'm sure many, many, many people can attest to over the years. Uh, but it is comforting. Oh, the market just closed. You can tell this is on a late, on a, on a Monday. Um, but you can, yeah. So it's good. It's, um, I, it's nice to be into something where, you know, I doubt, I highly doubt that if, you know, Alet's going to come out and say, oh, we're transitioning from baby socks to, you know, some vice industry. And if they did, you know, if I'm going to be consistent and they did that, well, I'd have to sell regardless of where the price was at that time. So anyway, enough of my moral pontificating. Um, enough of my moral pontificating. I think the only other thing I want to say, um, my mom texted me this week and was like, hey, did you hear about the Alec Baldwin shooting? And I thought it was a setup for a joke. Like I was like, because we go back and forth with bad dad jokes and stuff. So I was waiting. I was like, is this a setup for a bad joke? 
And then I ran through my head like, okay, what are the play on words with Alec Baldwin and a shooting and blah, blah, blah. And I couldn't come up with any. So I said, no, I didn't. And she was like, so she sent me the link and I was like, oh man, that's terrible. Um, and I think the only thing I want to say is I just want to ask the question. Okay. I just want to ask the question. Are, not even are, can we allow tragedies to happen and this goes for people who are on the left side of the political political aisle and for people on the right side of the political aisle can we allow tragedies to happen without instantly politicizing them like i heard that and i was like wow that's a terrible accident and then all of a sudden i'm getting bombarded with people's opinions you know all the all the quote unquote right commentators were like you know, I, I saw one article. It was like unhinged leftist Alec Baldwin murders cinematographer. I was like, what? Why can't we let just something be a tragedy? Why can't we let just something be an accident? Like instantly it had to be some unhinged leftist doing something. And then, you know, all the right piled on. Oh, well, if, you know, if they emphasize gun safety and gun training and actually knew how to work a firearm. And I was like, unbelievable. Just unbelievable, shameless, disgusting. Um, and shame on you and shame on anybody who takes a tragedy and instantly politicizes it. Like that in and of itself is probably contributing more to the demise of our country than anything else. We can't take any topic and not demonize and politicize. It's, it's grotesque what we're doing. It's just absolutely morally reprehensible. And, you know, again, I'm going to go to the Bible. Why not? I'm going to go to the Bible. I was reading uh, in the New Testament, I believe it was in Jude, said, may God grant more and more mercy. And that's kind of been a theme um, since I read that over the last week. It's like, I'm thinking in these terms of more and more mercy. Like we need to be extending more and more mercy to people, not opportunistically using tragedy to advance some political agenda and if you're anywhere in the realm of evangelicalism and listening to this you need to stop viewing politics as your savior i can't believe the bait and switch game going on right now in evangelicalism where we have literally okay we've literally idolized politics to the point of being our savior it's grotesque. It's no different. And it's probably not. It's probably, there's probably no, no irony is lost on the fact that if you look at the, the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt, and while Moses was up on the, you know, the, the smoking, burning, lightning-filled mountain, getting the Ten Commandments and the tablets, that the people down below were building a golden calf, there's probably no irony lost that Trump happens to have golden-ish type calf hair color. <laughs> oh, you've turned MAGA against you. You're going to be in trouble, mister. <laughs> you've unleashed the MAGA hordes. Look, if you are claiming evangelicalism, if you're claiming Christ as your savior, and you have elevated a golden calf-haired individual as your savior, you're committing idolatry on to the nth degree. Um, so I just got to get that off my chest. I, I can't, I, I can't believe that conservatism. Okay, conservatism used to mean, hey, let's be fiscally responsible. Primarily, that's what conservative conservatism was. Let's be fiscally responsible, and let's leave a lot of the periphery to the states and the local governments that's what it used to mean now it means if you don't worship our newly crowned savior you are a communist socialist pig and, de and deserve to die i mean it's just absolutely disgusting and, and i can't believe for one second that the lord god almighty is sitting in heaven looking down on evangelical magaland smiling with his, you know, 
giving his blessing and his his smile of approval. He's like, what are you doing worshiping this modern golden calf? Literally, what are you doing? Ay, ay, ay. So if you're in the MAGA horde and I've just ticked you off, you know, I, I don't really know what to say. Free speech? Um, and, the, and, and here's the thing. I'm, I'm much more in line with, well, I don't even know if that's a true statement. I would say on, on some level, I'll just say it this way. I'm definitely not in line with the Bernie Sanders socialist crowd, the AOC socialist crowd, the, you know, universal basic income and equity for all crowd. I mean, that's nonsense. In fact, I was reading, I think it was, is it Harold Munger, Frank Munger, something Munger. Um, I believe he's a big investment tycoon guy. And I read a quote from him this weekend. He said, show me the incentive and I'll show you the result. And I was like, dude, that's Thomas Sowell 101. You don't judge government programs or any sort of program based upon the goals desired, but by the incentives created. Um, so I'm definitely not in that crowd, and and I would be in the I would be in the free speech. I would be in the individual responsibility. I'd be in the limited government. I'd be in the um, merit based system that uh, doesn't judge people based on the color of their skin, but on the content of their character. I mean, basically, I'm a Martin Luther King conservative. If that if that even is a thing, I don't even know if Martin Luther King was associated with conservatism. Um, but my, my, my overall point is we have to stop taking tragedies and with the snap of our fingers politicizing them. It's doing our country zero good. Absolutely zero good. Um, so anyway, I, I, I just had to get that off my chest. I, I could not believe the response. Um, you couldn't just let a tragedy be a tragedy and like grieve it and be sad and sorry and what a terrible accident. Um, and I even saw unhinged, stupid rumors floating around. Oh, the cinematographer that Alec Baldwin shot and killed was working on a pedophile documentary. And Alec Baldwin was allegedly on the flight manifest to Epstein Island. Oh, and I was like, you ha what? What? Ugh. So, you know, Ron Paul said a long time ago, and I agree with him, he, he said that the, the laws of the land follow the morality of the people. So I think my overarching point here is that before we go about, you know, coming to blows over laws of the land, we need to take a long, hard look in the mirror at our own individual morality and ask ourselves some hard questions on one, where is my individual morality? And two, why is it in the crapper? <laughs> why, why has our individual and collective morality gone off the rails so extremely bad? That's the question we need to be asking ourselves. Um, and until we get a handle on that, if we, if we can get a handle on that, we might have a fighting chance as a country. Um, so long as we just continue to let the lug nuts loosen and fly off and the wheels go astray and we're just flying down the road like some police pursuit with no tires left on the car and just grinding sparks all over the road. Um, I mean, that's where we're, that's what we're kind of doing right now. You know, we might have a tire on the back, the back left driver's side, but it's been punctured by the spike strip and, you know, the L.A. news helicopters up above. Oh, man, this thing's getting out of control. Look at that. Um Sparks have been flying for the last four and a half miles, and it looks like the front right engine's catching on fire. He's going to have to bail soon. Um, that's kind of where our nation's at, I think. Our morality's gotten so bad, we're the equivalent of a, of a beat-up El Camino running from the LAPD on some televised high-speed chase that went awry when three of our four tires ran over a spike strip, and we've still been committed to fleeing the police driving on our rims, spraying sparks everywhere, and uh, the right side fender has just ignited because of the extreme heat caused by the physical properties associated with a wheel made out of steel grinding against asphalt and concrete for four and a half miles. So I would suggest that we hit the brakes, let that fire burn out, maybe, you know, stop, get out, Take a long, hard look in the mirror and ask ourselves, why the heck, why the heck are we running away? 
<laughs> why, why is our national morality equivalent to a runaway El Camino? Oh my goodness, absolutely embarrassing. And I will say, I will say, my son has been doing, um, one, of, one of my sons has been doing work off the Open Door app, I think it's called. It's kind of like Uber or Lyft, but for odd jobs. So, you know, people, hey, I need a dresser move, 15 bucks an hour. Hey, I need a U-Haul unpacked. We'll pay you 200 bucks. Um, so he and a couple of friends have been going around on the weekends and making some extra cash that way. And I told him, hey, you know, rule number one, make sure you're always going with at least one other guy. Rule number two, only take jobs from people who have a, you know, a history of five-star reviews and, you know, use your discernment to say, hey, you know, these are legit people hiring for legit jobs. You know, don't go with the egg avatar and it's their first post and they're like, hey, 1500 bucks, meet me under the freeway overpass. You know, like, yeah, stay away from that kind of stuff. Um, so his BS detector is pretty savvy and uh, he's he's on point following those rules. But they did a job this weekend for a uh, family that had moved here um, from Romania and had fled Ceausescu's uh communism in the 80s and he got talking to the the couple who's now in their 70s and they got talking about the fact that he said that they just flat out came out and told him young man communism is the worst thing that you could ever live through and they said and we are absolutely appalled that we're starting to see traces of it here in the united states and I thought, you know what? Those are the people we should be listening to on this front. People who've actually been through it. And there's a friend of ours who's from Romania. And his grandfather, back in the early uh, 1900s-ish, 1920s, 1930s, he was actually executed for his political beliefs. Um, and I've had, I've had lengthy conversations uh, about the horrors of communism and totalitarianism and you know, this whole idea of utopia and, and equity. And, you know, he talks about the, the bread lines and the milk lines and, you know, the fact that, you know, it, you basically were just reduced to subsistence living. Um, and you had to make sure that, you know, every night when the dictator would give his national televised speech, you had to sit down and listen and pay attention and look like you were really engaged. Otherwise, informers might turn you in for, you know, indifference and all this stuff. Um, so yeah, we need to, we need to get a handle on our morality and we need to stop conflating, um, equality of outcomes with equality of opportunities. Equality of outcomes are a utopian fantasy, which will never materialize. Um, we must be striving for equality of opportunities um big big difference there so i think that'll about do it um thanks for listening you can always go to brandonmuth.com to see what i'm up to some data art uh refining and continuing to tweak the trading desk at brandonmuth.com which i'm having a blast doing um hope everybody's well and we will plan on seeing you actually I'm trying to think saturday the 30th i'm gonna to have to pre-record that because uh i have got some obligations that particular morning so look for a podcast hopefully we'll go live on october 30th hope you guys have a good week and i'll talk with you soon peace